This is Dr. Charles Parker, and you're listening to Core Brain Journal. It's the place where I connect both fresh discoveries and interesting different perspectives from advanced mind science with the realities of real people and everyday life down on Main Street. Well, welcome aboard, folks. Dr. Charles Parker here at Core Brain Journal one more time. And we have a very interesting guest today that's going to take us in a place that is really intuitively resides within all of us and we know about it, but in a way we don't really quite talk about it and really haven't identified it and very frequently don't embrace it fully. And so our guest today is Carolyn Hauser Carson, and she is a German trained naturopathic doctor, humanistic psychotherapist, and family constellations facilitator. We're going to talk about her book in just a minute. Carolyn, thank you so much for joining us. Appreciate it. Thanks for having me. So I'm going to read a little intro, and then we're going to go ahead and hear Carolyn tell us about her ideas of how she's wrapped herself around this. And by the way, offline, we were talking just a little bit. She's out in lovely Santa Barbara, California. Thanks again for taking the time. It's such an idyllic place out there. It's unbelievable. It's a dream. So. 13 years ago, Carolyn came to America from Germany with $7 in her pocket and a dream that she'd be able to help others. Carolyn has encountered many difficult life situations and circumstances that have helped define and transform her into the person she is today. Through remembering her own childhood sexual trauma, recovering from a 10-year eating disorder, suffering from chronic fatigue, getting divorced and going bankrupt to now being married to her divine partner and soulmate, Paul, and helping over 5,000 other people heal, find love, create success in their life and in their businesses. All the while, she grew her business into a multi-six-figure company. So she's successful. People are listening to her. And her story is really very, very interesting. So could you elaborate, how did you go from there to here? That's a big question, but... (laughs) get us started somewhere in there that's a big big step yeah the there was a little bit longer part of the journey than the here (laughs) yeah right yeah ouch yeah so you already hinted upon so I had a lot of stuff happening in my life just like anybody that basically led to me ending up in a somewhat lower state of being and it all accumulated about five years ago when I ended up on a couch with a 16 months old and a five-year-old not able to take care of them, get up or do anything because my physical body just had completely collapsed. And it got so bad. And, and because of it, there was a lot of stress on my, my marriage at the time because, you know, it was very stressful for my ex-husband because he had me and he also had two kids and he had to go to work. And so one evening he came home and I remember just pleading with him and trying to tell him that I just, I couldn't do this by myself anymore. I couldn't watch the kids and have no energy and I needed help. And he didn't mean anything negative. He just said to me, well, you wanted to be a mother, right? And when, he, <laughs> you know, he's it's like, a typical guy reaction. Yeah. You know? It's yeah. all your fault. I really don't have anything to do with this. Yeah. I yeah. He's like, well, you wanted to, be, and I do it. I really wanted to be a mother. You know, he was right. But when he said that in that moment, I just felt so not yeah. heard. And it felt like so hopeless that I literally collapsed. It looked like a panic attack. And I left my body. My kids were on top of my my body that was on the futon on the floor. And I myself was hovering under the ceiling looking down on on Mm. myself. Interesting. 
And obviously that all happened within seconds. And even seeing my kids so distraught did not, that didn't give me an impulse to come back to me. It was very disconcerting too. And then a moment later, a voice said, well, your work isn't done. And I was back in my body and was able to calm down. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So that was, that in itself was profound. But then for five days after that happened, I was basically suspended in a very clear space where I could see energy, where I could see how I would allow myself to go into negativity. It was really like a musical experience. The moment that I would find something negative with somebody or have a negative thought enter my mind, it was literally like the orchestra would go out of tune. And immediately I would not allow that because I wanted to hear the, the harmony, you know, the symphony and harmony, basically. Oh, yeah. And uh, yeah, so that was a very profound experience. And um, it didn't last. <laughs> you mean you had to work at it, right? <laughs> I snapped out of it on day five. And ever since then, though, I've made it my mission to find ways to get myself into a harmonious space and help others, you know, how they can do it too. Because I've learned from those five days that when you are in harmony, you and what you want are one thing. Like I, for example, to give you an example, and this might sound trivial, but I thought of a lemon and a lemon fell down from a lemon tree that moment. So the moment I became aware of a need, that need was fulfilled for the whole five days. So what, that yeah, so what that taught me was that in reality, when we are in a space where we're not resisting, where we're just one, our needs are always fulfilled, right? And for most of us, that's not our reality, right? We have lots of needs and wants and don't get them fulfilled and suffer greatly. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and we don't really focus on who we actually are on a deeper level because yeah. we're in somebody else's agenda. Yeah, we think we have to, for our own survival, you know, do what everybody else wants, mostly. So really, that wake up or that experience helped me to get to here now, <laughs> very quickly, actually. You know, it didn't take very long for the, you know, for my body to reverse, for my finances to reverse, for my relationship life to reverse and get much better. So what happened was, now let's take this a little bit further, but I'm putting my psychiatric hat on for just a second, because forgive me for getting, you know, somewhat linear. It's interesting to me that you had that and that you were, because I've talked to a number of people who've had similar experiences to me, so it's not odd. But I think the thing that's uh, interesting about your perspective and what you're sharing with us is that you were, you were able to actually amplify it and live in it and grow it in some way, that you were some, some measure of, you had a transformational experience when, in which you were actually more transformed than not and stuck there. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a trick. I know a lot of people that would like to do that. <laughs> so then you have some you have some thoughts about how to do that. That's kind of what yes. we're talking about. Yeah. 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 Because it's an ongoing, you know, it's an ongoing process and it has a lot to do with your own energy. And I think a lot of people, when they think about manifesting or creating your dream life or helping yourself getting what you want, what we've been taught or what we think we know is that it's all about our thoughts, right? Our thoughts create our own reality. And part of that is true, but it's to, our thoughts are just a small part. We are a body and our body has vibration and our subconscious actually lives in ourselves and in our bodies. Our subconscious is not something that's outside of us. And most of us create based on, on the subconscious. The subconscious is very, very powerful. 
And so when we know that, then we can, when we know that the subconscious is not something that we don't have power over and that's like outside of ourselves, when we know it's actually energy and it's in our body, then we can start to be in a more powerful place because we have power over our, over our own self. Okay, I'm going to dive deep here because that's, <laughs> that's, a, that's so true. I've seen it happen. The question for me, and I'm sure for a number of our listeners is, okay, without sounding platitudinous about this, yes. how does one get there? How does one transform that everyday awareness of thinking and doing into a more profound internal awareness of the whole synchronicity of what's going on on the deeper level and get rid of the negatives? I like the thing that you had in some of your material here the negative train in the unconscious, the negative unconscious uh, path that so many of us find ourselves on. So how does that happen? That's a big question. But. Yeah, it is actually a really simple process. And because it's so simple, a lot of people, when I, even with my own clients, and I have people that pay me a lot of money, and I will tell this to them over and over, and they don't hear it, or they, the conscious mind will dismiss it because it sounds too simple. That's why I'm, why I'm saying it in this way so that if you're listening, you know, don't dismiss it as too simple because it's not that complicated. What it has to do with is to literally imagine your body being a body made of energy and depending on what you've gone through in life and what your experiences have been, you might be at a lower frequency, vibrating at a lower frequency or at a higher frequency. Ideally, we all want to be in a higher frequency. That's where your experience is one of synchronicity, ease, and flow. Now, how do you do that? How do you actually transform your negative energy into positive? Imagine that when something negative happens to you, it's like swallowing a big bite, a bite that your stomach cannot digest at once. Like as if you had swallowed a rock and it's sitting there. And while you're going about your life, you can try to pretend it's not there, but it will take a lot of energy because you have like a heavy stomach, right? You're always kind of like trying to pretend it's not there and it needs, takes a lot of energy to doing what, keep doing what you're doing and it will take your focus. It will, will take away from your ability to focus on something else. What most people do is they then start to drink coffee, go shopping, eat ice cream, right? We do stuff to make ourselves feel better so that we don't have to feel this uncomfortable thing. And obviously I'm... I'm giving a, a metaphor here. But the only thing that will actually help to transform this negative thing that's gotten into your system is by digesting it. You literally will have to digest it. And since it's kind of like a bigger piece, it will take some attention to do so. So, so you wrap yourself around it. You embrace it. Yeah, you, lit you literally use your body to wrap yourself around it. So part of the skill that, that is necessary for people to learn, and it's a skill like learning how to lift weights or... Uh, learning how to ride a bike. It has to do with learning to be in your body and instead of being taken over by emotion, to allow yourself to sense the emotion. So when you're angry, for example, you know, usually we know when we're angry because of how we feel, but to go a level deeper and then allow yourself what sensation is actually present in your body in the moment that you're angry, right? So some people might be a burning in, in the stomach for another person. It might be really tight shoulders for another person who might feel like their head is on fire. And then the actual way to transform the negative energy into positive is by putting your sensing attention on that thing. You know, whether it's the heat in your head, the, the burning in your stomach, 
to allow yourself to feel it through its way through. And, and once you do that, when you put your attention on the physical sensation, that attention helps to transform it. And, and the thing will start shifting and moving around. And not too long, it usually takes, you know, three to five minutes, really. You will experience a sense of heat leaving your body. And all of a sudden you're like at peace. So you're basically what this does, is it puts your nervous system, your brain, into a peaceful state. And when that happens, then you're capable of accessing all of who you are in terms from a brain perspective. Well, so it sounds like what happens is by actually connecting with it so vigorously that your internal power, I don't know, I haven't talked with anybody about this before, so I'm just just talking with you about it. Mm -hmm. I'm an innocent. Perfect. (laughs) (laughs) So it sounds like what happens is when you do that, and you get tight with it, your internal power, your power of who you are as a human being actually beats it because you actually fully address it as opposed to moving around it and dancing around and giving it the power to modify your life. You actually diminish the power by using your, I'm saying power advisedly. I don't know what's actually happening there. Yeah. Sometimes I give people also the image of like, imagine this negative energy being an ice, an ice block. And your attention is warmth, right? So by your attention, you literally transform it. You turn this ice block into water and then the water can become part of you and just be who you are and doesn't block you anymore. That's a a great metaphor. That makes a lot of sense. Now, do you do that, Carolyn, with meditation? Do you have a specific technique that you apply in terms of process or is it really just a thinking process it's not a thinking process it's very much a feeling and sensing process so you really want to stay out of like thinking you you can facilitate yourself you can like okay where is it moving now and let me stay here and let me not go into my head you know so you can use your mind Mm -hmm. yourself but you really want to be in the experience of what does this feel like and ideally you do this all throughout your day a good time is to do it in the morning when we wake up because most of us don't wake up super chipper my husband is an exception. He's one of the few people <laughs> that just wakes up and is like, hey, <laughs> I am not that person. <laughs> He's ready to go. Yeah. And so, you know, most people wake up grumpy and what do they do? They grab for the coffee, right? So instead of doing that, to actually, you can even do this in bed before you get up. Just do a scan on your body, how you feel and allow yourself to just feel, feel completely how you're feeling. And then throughout your day, when you have breaks, to check in with yourself and feel like, am I feeling completely at ease right now? Or is there something that's nagging? And then also, obviously, you know, when there's obvious triggers, let's say somebody said something or you're getting an email or things aren't, you've, you're in line and you start getting aggravated. Whenever you feel less than balanced and calm and happy, it's a good time to, instead of like getting all aggravated and verbal or feeling depressed and starting to cry, just sit and allow yourself to feel. So it sounds like there were two things. I did mention thinking unwittingly because then I'm glad you could elaborate on it, but it sounds like me being a mind guy and thinking about mind activity, I was really trying to say, what is the process? So then mm-hmm. you elaborated on what the process is. And the process is, tell me if I'm right or wrong on this one. Mm-hmm. It sounds like it's a thinking process in a certain focusing way, but it's a somatic process. Exactly. In terms of what you're actually attempting to accomplish internally back to that cube of ice. 
you're just going to get all of your somatic cellular energy warmth on that thing. Exactly. But there's no necessary breathing or whatever. The only reason I'm on all that is because of the meditation. So there's no other technique. And that's the deceptive simplicity of it. Yes. Well, that's wild. That is definitely wild. I mean, I haven't, I haven't heard about that before. Yeah, it is literally an alchemical process. Like it will turn negativity into positivity, right? And so if you, and I've done this now for four years, you know, continuously throughout my day. So my life looks very, just because of this. And obviously when you're starting to become more high vibrational, other people with other tools and the things that you need in order to progress will come your way, right? So I'm not, I don't want to say this is the only thing I did because I've hired lots of mentors and done lots of different work. But in terms of the thing that I've done for myself, this is what I do for myself. And this is what I think is responsible for me having all the other tools and, you know, being able to have what I need when I need it. So this whole flow concept is what your website is about, women in the flow. And then you know, as we've had other people talk about this, we've interviewed them, and it's been so interesting because you're actually taking it to an even more explicit level than what they were talking about because it's not so vague. It has more of a specifically identifying the objective. I want to see what that is the thing that you're working on. And then there is a simple technique in mm-hmm. that you get with it as opposed to denying it or dancing around it because some of the uh, tactics that others have talked about are in the direction of, hey, you just keep going on. And then that is a, from what you're saying, a denial problem mm-hmm. because the person's then dancing around it and yeah. then it's haunting them in the background. Yeah, and- it takes a lot of energy to suppress and repress. And, you know, the older you get, the less you can do it. <laughs> <laughs> That's an energy thing, right? Yeah. Um, That's why you have less and less energy the older you get because you have so much more stuff that needs to be repressed. So this is also rejuvenation. When you do this, you'll get much younger because we are all jealous of children, right, and how much energy they have. It's because they don't suppress that much stuff. That's amazing. (laughs) So the name of your book has the word Blossom in it. I'm vigorously looking for it right here. What's the name of your book? Blossom. That is. Yeah, I have two books. So the the Blossom is the first book, which deals a lot with really learning how to be in your body and actually be able to do the sensing. Because when people have gone through trauma, it's not that easy, right? It's easy for you and I maybe to do now when somebody says this. But if somebody has been out of their body because something happened, it's not that easy. And so Blossom is really a seven-step journey that helps people to get familiar with having a body, being in the body, and so forth. The and process. Then, yeah, the, the, mm-hmm. the process. And then um, my second book is The Pleasure IQ that talks more about advanced strategies and the flow concept. That is very interesting because, uh, you know, I was looking around for it. Yeah, I mean, you probably we're, we're on video, folks, and so we're having a conversation just like we're across the table there in Santa Barbara. And I was vigorously looking around for the name of her book because I wanted to make a reference to it. But the Blossom concept does fit there because you know, I, I can see what you're talking about better than I could before when you, when you explain it the way. So the first book has to do with that technique that you were just talking about. And then the second book takes it into a whole nother level of appreciation. Could you elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah. So the Blossom book, I actually wrote the Blossom book before I had my breakdown on the couch. 
Right? Mm-hmm. So that it's a, it's a little, and what, after my breakdown on the couch, things just became more clear. And what became clear is that we all need to have a new kind of intelligence, which I call pleasure intelligence. And a pleasure IQ is someone's ability, level of ability to allow pleasure in all areas of your life. Meaning that you are really allowing yourself and you're not being in resistance. And when we do that, then we can really have everything that we that feels right to us. It doesn't work when it's egotistical goals, but anything that's in alignment with who and who, with you and who you are, you'll be able to have because you will know how to align yourself and be in a vibrational match with it. So helping people have a pleasure IQ or be aware of this has a lot to do with helping them remove all the blocks that they have in terms of allowing themselves to say yes to the things that are right for them. You touched on this before, you know, a lot of people do stuff because they think they have to, to keep their jobs or to keep their wives or to keep their parents happy or what whatnot, right? A lot of us, I mean, me included, that's why I ended up on the couch, have been leading our lives based on what all the other people want instead of like what's true for me and what's right for me and trusting that if I follow that, I can't go wrong. So there's a practice and the practice is doing it every day. So how do you help people? This is going to be a somewhat inane question, but but having not experienced it. So a person comes to you as a therapist in this regard. So, and they have these blockages. So what is the therapeutic adventure with you like for a person such as myself, an uninformed person who has some ideas and some understanding of these things from a somewhat distant point of view? How do you actually help them get where they're going? What's the process like? Yeah, so I have different tools. One of them is a process called Family Constellations, which I'm a facilitator. And um, what Family Constellation, first of all, Family Constellations saved my life because it was the tool that helped me beat the eating disorders. And when you have an eating disorder, any kind of addiction for over 10 years, your chances of recovery are at 5%. That's at least the statistics that I know. So that's, that's what I was facing. And I had tried everything and all I wanted was just be able to have a relationship and have children. And I was in my early 20s when I finally overcame the eating disorders. And at that point, even having something normal like that seemed very out of reach because my prognosis was that I wouldn't uh, live till 30. Mm. So, <laughs> so I was really... You were uh, stuck. I was stuck, very stuck. Oh my and, God. And uh, luckily, my mom never gave up on me and found all kinds of different modalities and family constellations was one of them. And... Um, she took me to a weekend and I went through the process and within six months I had beaten the eating disorder. Really? Yeah. So it's a very effective tool that makes the reason why you're, why you're stuck or why you're going through what you're going through visible and will also help to resolve it. To describe it in a very... <laughs> well, let, let, let me tease that apart a little bit more if you, do, if you don't mind because what would they have a person do? If you could give me a little bit of an example or us a little yeah. bit. Yeah, so traditionally, it's done in a, in a group format. And so basically, I'm just going to describe what they did with me. I went there. It was a group of strangers. There were maybe 20 people. Everybody had an issue, you know, from like physical issues to relationship issues to issues like I had. And when it became my turn, they had me basically state my issue. And then they had me pick people from the group to represent different things like the eating disorder, my parents, and I think my siblings. So I I picked about six people from the circle that knew nothing about me other than that I was battling this eating disorder and that I really wanted to heal. And then, then I took these people and put them into different spaces in the circle that we were sitting in. So I constellated them. That's why it's mm-hmm. called constellations because you literally take 
people and you constellate them. And then the facilitators basically would interview them and ask them how they would feel about each other and what was going on. And what I know now is that there is a field that we can all connect to that knows everything and that everybody can tap into. So these strangers knew stuff about me and my family dynamics, you know, that were hidden from me because I was too close to it, right? Like my subconscious was keeping me from actually knowing these things, but because these strangers are not me, they had no problem tapping into what the dynamic and the truth really was. And then you can see it outside of yourself. And with that, you know, your mirror neurons then rewire your entire brain and things become completely clear. And in my case, what the constellation revealed was that the eating disorder actually had kept me alive all this time. Because if I hadn't had, I had something to do. Otherwise, I would have probably killed myself. So mm. that was like, wow, here I was struggling and fighting this thing. And in reality, it's the thing that's been keeping me alive. <laughs> that is very, very interesting. So, and that's an interesting process. I haven't heard anybody talk about that before. Yeah. So the individuals that you picked somehow connected with what was actually going on within you. In my field, basically. Yeah. And, and yeah. That is very interesting. That is very, very interesting because, yeah, yeah that's heavy. I mean, that's, so, so that's, that's one of my secret weapons because um, so I've been doing this for 20 years now and I'm also, through the process, I've really honed my intuitive skills and yeah, intuitive skills, I would say. And so it's very easy for me now to see where people are holding themselves back and what they have to shift. Yeah, what they, where they need to go. Yeah. So then the next question in that whole thing is, you know, the very first thought I had is, okay, what does she know about me? I'll put that aside for a moment. <laughs> I'm not, I'm not a clairvoyant. I mean, I might be, but I'm not using it in that way. <laughs> it's funny because it's interesting when you talk to a person with those skills, and I'm sure people think that way about me because I'm a, a psychiatrist. What's, what's he thinking about me? But it was, that's an interesting way that you talk about it. So is that a weekend event or is that a series of events on evenings or how does all that happen? So traditionally, you know, a lot of people would do weekend workshops. I have now developed a way where I don't need a group. I can do it by myself with one person. I have clients all over the world. I work over the phone. Um, I usually work in like longer, longer containers with people where this is just a part of what we do. And then I help them just, I help them stay on track and I help them put a plan together based on what's really right and true for them. I teach some skills, right? The, the skill of allowing yourself to know what's right for you requires you learning how to listen to your intuition. It requires you to learn about boundaries and it requires you to learn how you can let go of guilt and shame. A lot of the time we don't allow ourselves to have what we want because we have too much shame and guilt. So that's a big part. And then a big part around the energy management is really working with your feminine and masculine energy. And that has a lot to do with how you relate in your intimate relationships. So there's different facets to it. So there's teaching, an aspect of teaching and an aspect of mentoring and then an aspect of really doing energy work with people. And I do that usually in longer containers. So I don't just do one-off sessions with people, right? They either are in a program that I do over the phone with them. They're in groups. I, I do it in a retreat format also where people mm -hmm. come for like four or five days. Well, when you said longer container, is that what you were talking about, a retreat? A or retreat or, or somebody works with me for like six months, like, let's say, and we meet, you know, on the phone every week, for example. And I, I help them, you know, get from stuck to actually having the thing in their life. It doesn't happen overnight. Yeah. So you have, yeah, you have a system of um, diminishing the impediments and dealing yeah. with the negativity. Yeah. Yeah. That's amazing. That's, that's very, it's very doggone interesting. And, and so then you then you're on the phone a lot. 
you do well, Skype yes. or do you do, how do you do it? Do you do Skype or what, how do you? I, I do Zoom because Skype isn't working so good anymore. And then I do yeah. a, lot over the, a lot over the phone. Just, and also I have to say part of what I teach and what, what, you know, what I really encourage people to do is really to create a life that works for them. So for me, you know, being eight hours or nine hours on the phone wouldn't work. So I really only work with a handful of people at the time. And I'm, you know, I'm never working more than four hours a day. So a lot of my sound like I'm on the phone a lot. I am, but also not, you know. Yeah. Limited. And then I work in groups, you know, which makes it easier too. So I, I sometimes, you know, I spend an hour teaching this, but I talk to a hundred people at a time, which well, that'd be interesting. saves me a lot of time, obviously. Yeah, that's, that's very interesting. So would you mind sharing with us those seven steps a little bit more? I mean, this is the cognitive me mm -hmm. coming out. Yeah. Trying to see what the grid and what the structure is. If you don't mind yeah. sharing those, I'd appreciate it. Yeah, so BLOSSOM stands for, it's actually an acronym, and I got the, I saw the word first before I knew what the steps were. The oh. first step, um, block B, bring your mind on board, has to do with helping you know what to do with resistance. Anytime we try to create change or we want to create change, there's part of us who wants to keep us where we are because that feels safe. And so the first step addresses that part and how to deal with it so then you can actually do transformational work. Mm -hmm. And then the second step has to do with learning what feeling feels like, what being in your body feels like, what it feels like to maybe make friends with the suppressed stuff. Because in order to do the actual integration, right, you have to be, you have to get a sense of what it feels like to actually be in your body. And it could be, you know, somebody could learn it through actually getting a massage and just allowing yourself to feel what that feels like, right? So there's some sensory, you can do it through sensory input. And so that's what the second step talks about and teaches people and, and the way the the book is really laid out it's actually a seven-week program with an exercise for every day that will help you deepen it and it's really like an exercise program or a training program sounds like yeah. fun yeah yeah i mean some of it might not be fun but yeah <laughs> but you know it's the idea would be fun just because it'd be uh reassuring in a certain way and, and yeah. you'd actually make some progress yeah yeah. And I have supplemental um, meditations and things that people can download. So it's, it's, you know, you actually, you feel like I'm there with you if mm -hmm. you want, if you want mm -hmm. that experience. And then the third step is about learning how to hear your intuition and what your intuition sounds like, because in order to have what you want, it's really important to, to know that because your intuition is the voice that will always lead you to the, the, your greatest good, basically. And a lot of people have trouble, you know, knowing what their intuition really, what that sounds like. And, and again, it's about like, being in your body and feeling it more than hearing, actually. And then the fourth step is about, we talked about this before we got on to the call, being with the eyes of truth, which has a lot of, to do with stepping out of victim mentality, meaning, you know, for most people, they feel like, okay, this happened to me and there's no way I can do anything about it. I'm just going to be damaged for life now. In this fourth step, I'm inviting people to look at if there might have been a blessing in what happened. I know for myself that the truth for me is that because of what I went through, I'm who I am today and I'm very happy with who I am today. Right. Mm -hmm. So and so this might be hard for people to swallow at first or hear first. I get a lot of flack for saying this often when mm -hmm. I say this, especially to people who've gone through sexual um, abuse. But it is really not helping you when you're staying stuck in this feeling of this happened and I can't do anything about it. Yeah. What, what happened was totally wrong and what the person did was totally wrong. And where is the gift? So that's the, the fourth step. Hopefully will help people see that yeah. and find what that is for them. And then the fifth step is around doing the actual integration, what we talked about a lot today. And the fifth step is owning all of who you are, learning about the feminine and the masculine energy streams that we 
from the family constellation, I've learned that, you know, we both, we come from both these streams and to get in a harmonious state within ourselves, we need to learn to identify them and we need to learn to use them, be in them, play with them, and also have peace with them. And then the, the seventh step is how do I take this into the world and into my relationships and like, you know, keep on going. It's, it's the course is really like a, a ramp. It's not meant to like be a one-time event. It's a, it's a ramp that then will catapult you into living in a different way and practicing your life in a different way. Yeah, that's where I was going with where you were going. It's, it's, a, it's a working, it's a game. It's, yeah. I don't mean, it sounds uh, somewhat trivializing to call it a game, but it's, a, it's an activity that has some appeal because you can actually manage your own developmental process. Yeah, and you, and, don't have to, you don't have to take time out. You know, a lot of people, I think, when it comes to trauma healing, they think, oh, my God, you know, it's going to, like, totally wreck my life and I'm going to be not functioning for, like, seven months and I can't, you know, I won't be able to take care of my kids and go to work. And with this, you can be completely functional in your life. This is terribly interesting. I mean, this is Thanks. very, very <laughs> cool, I'm telling you. You have to understand I'm a recovering psychoanalyst, okay? So. <laughs> yeah, no, that's why it means a lot for me, yeah. too. <laughs> you wind up getting... You spend so many years chasing the unconscious in other ways, you know, and then yeah. you come into this uh, entirely interesting way. Well, how did that whole constellation process, that whole family, who developed that? Where did that come from? It's a man uh, named Bert Hellinger. And the story that I know is that he was a minister and he also was a psychotherapist. And he went on a missionary trip to... I think somewhere in Africa. So the story goes that he observed the Zulu tribe and he saw that when somebody was sick in that tribe or when somebody did something that we would deem criminal, something that we don't approve of, instead of singling that person out, so instead of working with the one sick person or the one person who did something wrong, they would all come together as a tribe and work through it together. And he saw tremendous healing and results when they did that. And then he had already studied with Virginia Satire, Satire, yeah. Satire mm-hmm. and um, put it together somehow. And then when he came back to Germany, there were a lot of young men committing suicide for no reason. And they started doing this work and realized that it was all because they were the grandchildren of, of Nazis. And they were trying to bring balance back to the system by killing themselves, basically. And so it became very, very popular in Germany very quickly. Mm-hmm in the aftermath of the, you know, so he started to become popular in the 90s, I think. And so Germany, it's very well known and very popular for that reason. And and in other countries around the world. And since I've been here, so I've been here in the U.S. for 14 years. In the beginning, nobody knew of it. And now almost every third or fourth person that I talk to, they'll have heard it or done it or... That's because you're in California. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody knows what you're talking about. It's a good reason to be on a program like this. Diversity of opinion going on. Yeah, so for anybody listening, you know, there's there is more and more people that actually practice this. So I'm sure you can find somebody around you who is practicing constellations and you could have an experience. That is totally interesting. I can't tell you how much I appreciate it. It's a completely different way of looking about things. And it's almost like we have to stop here. We're about out of time anyway, but I'm thinking about there's not really much more to say in a certain respect. I mean, when you say what you just said, okay, then you're either on it or you're not on it. I mean, it's like, you know, there's no further, okay, should I stick my toe in the water this way or whatever? It's like, this is something that's useful, helpful, and it's not that complicated. 
to actually connect with it. And so that if that's true, then you're either with it or you're just going to call it snake oil, move on down the road and exactly. live, live your life in that other way, you know, and either that or you can go in and really work at transforming yourself and actually have a, this internal edification process is really so interesting because I, myself, and I think so many of us have thought about how can we learn, how can we take something from our life experiences and grow from it? And this is a unique way of thinking about that because our life experiences, one thing I've always said is that we learn from pain. The biggest, yep. teacher, yeah. the biggest teacher in my life has been pain. And I think it's true for everybody. Either you wake up with the pain and you reconceptualize what you're going to do with it, or you live with the pain. You know, you're going to go ahead, okay, I'm just, this is going to be part of my life and it's going to drag me down. It's the negative unconscious, I guess, what you're talking about. And, but pain is a potential lesson. It doesn't mean that people get the lesson. But what we've tried to do is, in my practice, is help a person recognize the utility of pain that you really, and I see so many people who don't learn anything unless they accept the pain in the situation instead of saying, hey, that doesn't bother me. It's no big deal. But once they actually say, that's painful, how can I? But you put a, another much deeper level on the understanding of it, which I truly appreciate. I know the people who are listening are going to very much appreciate this, this entire thing. So how can people get in touch with you? Let's talk about that. Best way is to go to womeninthefloor.com. There is a link to a free Facebook group that's also womeninthefloat.com. That's a really great way. I'm on Facebook. Interaction with me, it's very easy to find me there. And then the book and all my different ways that people can work with me are listed on the website. That's womeninthefloat.com. And men are welcome also. I just want to say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, I mean, the thing is, it looks like women, I think the traditional role of women has been to be the victim and the traditional role of guys has been to be the lone ranger yeah the point that i have made repeatedly since i got onto this in 92 was that men who are doing the lone ranger actually are taking a counter position too and yeah, they're victims too yeah <laughs> i said that to a drug addict one time i said you know the truth of the matter is you're looking like a lone ranger but you're truly a helpless victim from within he was uh, going to prison for a three-state heroin operation, but he was a very bright guy and a very cool guy, and he got what I was talking about. And it, yeah. was, it was an interesting conversation. I mean, I'm saying it rather briefly, but that's kind of what the thrust of it was. But anyway, thank you so much. And you know, I'm going to say your name one more time, Carolyn Hauser Carson. Thank you so much for coming on board. We really appreciate it. It's been very edifying. And we're going to have this up. It'll probably be up in about uh, three or four weeks, something like that. Perfect. Thanks Thank for you so me. much. You have a good day. You too. Thanks for listening to Core Brain Journal. We're working every day behind the scenes to bring you reports that connect research benches with those street trenches. Here we share the complexity of mind science because, as you know, details really do matter. One of the most pervasive, misunderstood challenges is how commonplace medications like those written for ADHD are used so regularly without clear guidelines. If you think you'd like more specifics, take a minute to download my two-page PDF packed with video links and references on the absolute essentials of how to start ADHD medications. They're easily available at 
corebrainjournal.com forward slash start. Thanks for listening. Do connect and stay tuned. Together we can make a difference.